0: Hey friends, it's Jessica. Welcome back to Guru Please. Have you ever run into obstacles with the American medical system and wished that there were some different options or alternatives? Today you're going to hear from a doctor who's going to show us other options to take care of our health within a different framework. You'll see how a new wave of thinking about medicine and a different form of practice is on the rise and tips for what you can do to feel good. I hope you find some useful takeaways for yourself, if only just a single one. And if you do find the show helpful, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other listeners find the show. Thanks for joining, and here's the show. Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Dr. Faith Coates. Faith is a naturopathic doctor who specializes in gut and hormone health. Through working as a scribe in the ER, she saw the truth behind conventional medicine, where the same people would return with chronic diseases only to receive symptom relief, but not true healing. Now she helps people find the root cause of their health concerns by focusing on optimal wellness. Welcome to the show, Faith. Thank you for having me. Let's get started by talking about your time in the ER when you were seeing what was going on with conventional medicine and how you
1: found naturopathic medicine. a great question i think it's funny because every every naturopathic doctor that comes through the program they all have different stories on how they particularly found it and mine is a, a little bit different just because a lot of people already knew that it was an option or they were completely blindsided by it but i was uh working in the er as a scribe because i wanted to get more I wanted to get more um, interesting experience on something. I thought maybe I would want to get into the emergency medical field, or maybe I wanted to do surgery of some sort. Anyway, it came to be a really good opportunity to just get some more field experience that I get to actually see the doctor's life day to day. Because a lot of times when people go into medicine, they have this idealistic view of what it is. You know, they see it on TV or they see people who have uh, different experiences with it or their parents or their aunt is a doctor and so they see a glorified picture of it but you really got to get like into it to see if it's something you want to do but over time i kept seeing the same patients come in that had the same issues with either chronic pain or they had issues with autoimmune conditions that they would let go too far to the point where they would have to get emergency services or the where i was at didn't have a triage or an urgent care so everybody came through the er That being said, it was just chronic, and it was so hard to watch because they were told, you know, we don't have any medications for you. We have no treatment plans for you. You need to go see your general practitioner. But there was only like four general practitioners in the entire area, so they were obviously overwhelmed by the thousands of patients that lived there. And so it was just really not uh, helpful to them at all. And when I witnessed that, and I was a part of that day in and day out working in the emergency department, I also saw other clinics as well. I mean, that's not my only experience in medicine, but that particular experience left a lasting oppression on me. I really just felt like that wasn't my call. And it wasn't my my passion to be able to work shift work and just see the same patients and, hey, are you taking your medications? Yes. Okay, cool. See you in six months. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's not fixing anything. So uh, I wanted to be something different, do something different that really impacted a patient.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd wanted to be a doctor since you were 12. I mean, to then realize, you know, a decade later, hey, wait, this may not be what I... Signed up for? How did you kind of transition into like a different path?
1: That's a great question. Uh, Yeah, I since I was twelve, I was like, I want to be an eye doctor because like eye color is so cool. And and you know, obviously, getting older and noticing that that's not really what they do or (laughs) have anything to do with that. You know, it's funny. The only reason that I wanted to be a doctor is because my mom half asked me like, hey, you know, I have to go to the eye doctor all the time. People are always going to need doctors. Why don't you go into medicine? And I was just like, why don't I go into medicine? (laughs) And it sparked this really cool curiosity because I'm medically nosy in terms of I always want to search for the right answer. I went through a different transition. I I saw internal medicine, um, MD route, and then I followed around a DO for a little while to kind of see what they do and how they're different. An MD is a medical doctor, a doctor of osteopathic medicine is a the DO. They get a little more training with the fascia in terms of um, the osteopathic, which is the um, chiropractic kind of functions, as well as they integrate that more into their practice, which is more of what I wanted I want to do because of my particular past in like natural therapies and trying to fix the problem rather than just covering it up. Um, but as soon as I started shadowing a lot of people, they did the same aspects. Like they had the options to do, they, to do the, like the natural ish therapies. They didn't get much training in functional medicine, which is a little bit different, but they were trying to cure, heal things a little bit better than say the MDs. But honestly, most of them were just going into the hospitals. Most of them were just doing the same thing MDs were, and they weren't even using the training that they actually got. So when I was applying for schools, I was doing DO and D, and I just didn't resonate with any of the programs. I felt like they all were very similar. You know, you, you do one year of how things work, the second year how things break, and then you go into clinicals. But you only get drugs, like medicines are the only thing that you can prescribe if you don't do surgery, which there there's so many different treatment methods out there. So I wasn't really finding what I wanted. And so one day I was looking through health uh, jobs, just saying like, maybe I want to do something completely different. I always wanted to be a doctor, but like, these are not what I want. And then on the side of a Google search bar, I found naturopathic medicine. (laughs) So literally I was like, all right, what's this? And so I clicked on it. Honestly, I didn't have the greatest reviews in terms of people being like, don't be this, don't be that. But the core of the medicine was what was interesting to me. Because what we do is we fundamentally ask patients, what are you doing with your life? What have you tried? And what is the actual cause of your problem, which is so different than the traditional medical field? Because what you do is you go in and you see a doctor for 15 minutes, they ask you what symptoms you're having, and then they give you a pill and you leave and you go get some blood work and you come back six months later. That's not the experience with naturopathic medicine at all. We spend an entire hour with our patients, and we ask very in-depth, detailed questions about what's their poop like, what's your period like, how's your life, what's your anxiety like, and get a really detailed history so we can make good clinical picture of the person to give them the best support we can to make sure that whatever they're causing their symptoms can either be fixed or managed, but building from the ground up rather than the symptom down. mm mm-hmm.
0: I mean, what about, say, trauma and things like emotional trauma that then manifests in the physical
1: body? It's a great question because trauma is so rampant. A lot of women, I think it's, it's some ridiculous percentage of women go through some kind of physical, mental, verbal abuse or they're in a really toxic relation for a long period of time. And so with that, I always want to work with other physicians if I can, if that's an option. Many naturopathic doctors specialize in some kind of anxiety or depression or some kind of mental health service. I personally look to make sure the body's functioning well so it can handle that stress. Mm-hmm. So there's the traditional therapy type where you want to talk through your emotions and your feelings and you want to do like the, the emotional training and being able to have as many tools as you possibly need to be able to stop triggers to deal with the emotional stress. But then again, when's the last time that someone with chronic anxiety, instead of taking a Xanax, ended up looking at their nutritional deficiencies? What do their hormones look like? Is their progesterone deficient? Is their adrenals picking up the the slack for the stress that they're going through? What's their blood sugar like? What is their constitution in general? What kind of food are they eating? These are all really important questions that unfortunately the medical society doesn't really focus on because they don't have time for it. So I don't blame them for not doing it. It's just that you can't get anything done in like 15 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's just say somebody comes to you with a quote unquote medical mystery where something is you know, acting up in their body, but nobody can really tell why. How do you address that?
1: I take a very detailed history. If it's a woman, I'll ask a lot about what happened in their past. Did they have any big traumas that they went through? So, so I can engage what, what kind of stress signals they've had to do over time. I mean, that their bodies had to mount over time. I want to look at their periods. I want to make sure that their hormones are functioning in the right direction. And when I mean hormones, I mean their thyroid, their sex hormones, and also their adrenals. All three of those are part of your hormonal system. Um, It's a very complicated system. But the point is, is like, I want to look at those things first. And then I want to integrate what they're doing in their lives that could definitely be attributing to that. And and the way that we're taught in medical school is to the, the answers are in the history. So we have to spend the time with the patients asking every little detailed questions we could possibly think of, because it could be just one little thing. Oh, you know, I only go to the bathroom once a week. Well, that's a kind of a giant issue to have, because your gut function controls your immune system and it also controls your, immune, your serotonin receptors. And if those two things are off, it doesn't matter how much SSRI you are on an antidepressant, you're not going to be receiving enough of the signal to be able to mount that response to not be depressed and to not have anxiety. Um, so if there's a really complicated case, I take a really detailed intake of that patient, then it's all about labs. The reason that the, de- the the history is so important is because that's going to tell me what kind of labs I need to order to find an answer for your your condition.
0: I see. So you're really treating the, as you call it, a case like a like a mystery.
1: Yeah, I'm a medical investigator. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> that is a pretty different approach because typically it's more about suppressing the symptoms, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's so frustrating is that we're fighting for legitimacy in, in terms of our medicine because we are going against the grain. There is no money in a cure. And when you start threatening things like pharmacology or like the, the pharmaceutical industry, you start getting a lot of pushback, especially when you have as many MDs and DOs as there is out there compared to indies. There is over 600,000 MDs in the United States. There are over 150,000 DOs in the United States and there's about 4,000 practicing naturopathic doctors.
0: Mm, yeah. So, so it's hard to, yeah, gain that legitimacy because of maybe capitalism or, or, you know, these powerful companies that want to sell their, their products and their drugs.
1: Yeah. And I think that, honestly, we just need to repackage what medicine started out as. When medicine started, you found the problem and you treated the problem. There wasn't a middleman pharmaceutical industry that was causing these people to have to use those. And, and I'm not saying that we don't need MDs and DOs because we absolutely do. Uh, they want to do all the stuff that I don't want to do. <laughs> mm. And to be quite frank, like we need to work as a team because in the end, it's not about the ego of the doctor. It's not about, you know, how the pharmaceutical industry or any other industry, particularly in it, the insurance companies are meddling in it. It's about the patient. It's about making the patient feel better and have a better quality of life and giving them options if they want to go the drug route that's an option if they want to fix the issue with nutraceuticals and with herbs and to try to do things less invasively at first and then have to do the pharmaceuticals if they have to that's where we kind of come in so it's about giving options that aren't particularly there yeah
0: yeah really filling in those gaps
1: absolutely patients uh, sometimes need A little bit different approach, especially with subclinical things. A lot of doctors will say, Hey, uh, your lab are normal because they're in normal range, and there's nothing else that we can do for you because they have to justify to use medications. And if they can't justify that your thyroid's a little low, it's a little suboptimal, I can't give you levothyroxine, which is a T4, which is something that they use a lot in the medical field. But we look at it and we go, Hmm, this could be a little bit higher. How about we add just a little bit of a natural thyroid replacement and start supporting the system and we get your gut functioning and other things going. It'll help improve that. That's where we kind of come in, which is why it's frustrating to me for doctors to tell patients like, your labs are fine. There's nothing we can do for you. You're making it up. Like These are things I hear from the patients all the time. Not to bag on those doctors. They just don't have the tools in their toolbox to be able to, to treat them.
0: Right. Or even more of preventative medicine, it sounds like, and really boosting our health in a paradigm that's different from, well, there's no real problem, then I can't do anything for you. It's more like, well, everyone can improve their health in some way, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Fundamental medicine is, is another term for it, which is just making sure you're sleeping right, you're pooping right, you're eating right you know, you have lots of energy, doing everything you can is not really anything that we have in the society anymore. A lot of people want a quick fix, they want to just drink some caffeine to get energy, they don't care if they don't sleep very well, they they suffer from anxiety for 10 plus years. And that's you know, partly to do with the way medicine is set up. But it's also partly to do with like not being able to afford the medicine and not being able to be put into this system of we're just going to keep putting you on medications until you know you're sick of it which is kind of the people that I see
0: <laughs> mm. what do you do for your own health and well-being
1: that's a great question yesterday the last two days actually I spent testing my hormones and my neurotransmitters and my heavy metals which so it had a lot to do with like I got a mobile blood draw so they came to my house and blew, drew my blood but I also did a urinary and saliva sample too med school messed me up mm. <laughs> chronic stress for five plus years uh, it It really tanked my adrenals and uh, my hormones because I was also on Depo, Provera, which is an injection for birth control for over 10 years. And I realized I didn't have any sex drive at all. I was exhausted and I felt so much anxiety. I couldn't even drive a car because I felt like I was going to get hit on the road if if I drove. My body couldn't mount the response for the stress because my adrenals were so tapped from chronic stress. Uh, But then I had to get on HRT and I had an entire HRT is hormone replacement therapy. And so once I started adding in those progesterone and testosterone, I could be, I could take on the world. I can deal with like energy issues. I I, my libido improved, my relationship improved because of it. (laughs) Um, So I still have to continue to do that, especially for my gut health because I do suffer from SIBO as well, which makes me so relatable for patients because I'm like, girl, I know. <laughs> I know how you feel. I also take this stuff, which uh, gives me a lot more confidence because I can not only relate, but I can also recommend things that worked for me. Mm-hmm. So it's about trying to manage stress because we live in a very stressful world and drink enough water and you know, try to eat good micronutrient dense foods, which is a struggle sometimes. Mm -hmm. and taking care of your hormones because they decrease every year that you're alive
0: how do we take care of our hormones how do we know first of all you know where we're at in that way
1: yeah um it's a good question a lot of people get really non-specific symptoms their body hormones are slow actors let me start there hormones are one of those things where your body will tell you like by like a slow blinking light like hey your menstruation's off. Hey, got really bad cramping. Hey, got headaches. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like a little, little voice. Mm -hmm. And then in you, when you continue to ignore that, because you're like, oh, it's just, it's just who I am, or my birth control makes me do it. Or, you know, like "I, I, it's just my constitution. My doctor said there's nothing wrong with me. That's when you have to start looking back and go, whoa, this is, it's not supposed to be like that. Like you can have a little bit of cramping, but uh, headaches, bloating, fatigue, issues with like breast tenderness, these tend to be really small signals. And then once you get up to those big signals, it's no sex drive. That one you have to like be pretty completely tapped in order to get to that point for a woman anyway. Men it's very similar uh, in terms of like, Low libido, low drive, issues with uh, the brain fog, depression, anxiety, and obviously they have a little bit more understanding because you know they they don't have this good erections or they don't have the uh, ambition to want to even have sex, which is crazy for men because they see like they're supposed to be thinking about it like five times every minute or something. I don't know some crazy <laughs> <laughs> statistic. Uh, so it's like it's like your body's crying out, but you just ignore it because you're like eh, it's probably just me. My doctor said I'm fine. Mm. And a huge portion of that that I see is because of birth control.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So whether it's going to be estrogen birth control or progesterone birth control, you're giving yourself exogenous hormones, your body can't produce it. And then you're also going through all of the stress things. And then what if you have genetics with uh, having low thyroid and you know then you have reduced you have an immense amount of anxiety and then you're taking in anxiety medications which then cause nutritional deficiencies and the birth control itself reduces your b12 and a lot of other vitamins and minerals so it's kind of a mess when people get to me almost everybody's a mess when they get to me (laughs) just because like they usually are at a point where they're just done you know and they they just need they need the support they need somebody else to give them answers their labs are all over the place they're defeated and I just I'm like, okay, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> and then they feel taken care of. But yeah, that's kind of what you know, when you have a little bit of a hormone issue, it's you're not supposed to have bleeding, that's crazy, you're not supposed to have bloating, you're not supposed to have massive amounts of cramping or low libido, that's, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: I can imagine that some people, they maybe ignore these signs, because they don't know what optimum health looks like or feels like.
1: Yeah, they don't know how feel- how good it feels to feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear it all the time. And I'm just like, you know, a few things can change your entire life. Even just sleeping can change your entire life or just pooping a couple times a day. Like, oh, my goodness gracious, people are like, wow, my skin like improved. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't feel as bad. I feel a lot less sluggish. And I'm like, yeah, a portion of your body decided to kick back online <laughs>
0: right yeah it's like these basic things sleep food wander stress management like what else what other pieces like would you say are pretty like basic and essential
1: yeah like you know let's be honest a lot of the stuff i know people are like yeah yeah i know health gurus have been saying this all the time but the problem is is that even though you know yeah 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 you're not doing it yeah. <laughs> and sometimes people need a doctor or somebody they trust to or a plan, just a plan in general, to make sure that they're at least implementing it. It's like the reason that you get a a trainer. Like the trainer will show you a few moves that you didn't know before, but the real reason people get trainers is because it, it makes them accountable for their health. Mm-hmm. And very similarly when it comes to natural medicine or just fundamental medicine in general, it's the little things like we already mentioned getting enough sleep making sure that you're getting to sleep and staying asleep i know that's very difficult with chronic pain issues or menopause when you're having hot flashes in the middle of the night but your your brain has to get bathed with that fluid that cerebral fluid to be able to not only clean out the gunk and the, the stuff that it that it processed but also to process memories to make sure you're making synapse connections as well as all of your rest and digest things happen when you're sleeping. So if you need to uh, heal, for instance, say you broke something, you strained something, you have chronic pain, that's when your bones and your cartilage and your ligaments come together and get the most healing done. That's when your gut starts rebuilding itself. Uh, So when you have less and less and less, they say that you actually lose time in terms of your mortality. So you lose years off your life by not sleeping. Um, so sleep is huge obviously drinking enough water hydration is incredibly important we're mostly made of water a lot of people don't get good quality water which is an issue mm. as well as you know like i said making sure you don't have constipation making sure you don't have diarrhea good food comes in and out your body runs off of minerals and nutrients that's how you do cell signaling you need these things these co- these cofactors that are bound to these proteins to be able to to move them around to utilize them to get them in and out of your cells, so it's important for that. Another big thing is grounding just going outside and sticking your feet in grass or the dirt or something. the ground it pulls there's a there's a positive and a negative charge in the, in the earth, and when you take your feet and you put it on the ground, it'll actually put all of your charges in your body going in the right direction because it literally just like a ground in the plugs it puts you in the same direction of current which Mm. a lot of like pain a lot of issues with uh, circulation problems there's many different things that happens with stagnation of blood or the charges that are moving in your body because everything's a polarity if you ever take chemistry or anything like that you'll know there's negative and positive charges and when you have stagnation and uh, turbulence which is like that that tumbling effect with proteins and and blood, you end up having stagnation in in the system. So it's incredibly helpful not only for mental health, but also for the fact that you are putting all of your charges in the right direction.
0: Mm, I see. Yeah, it's kind of these things that maybe, you know, once upon a time, hundreds of years ago that were just built into our everyday as as people living. But nowadays, in, in today's world, It's harder and harder to get these things. You know, we forget to drink water. We the food that's coming in our body could be processed. Uh, We don't really go outside barefooted generally unless we intend to. It's kind of like, okay, really prioritizing these things now and saying, hey, this is actually really important
1: for my health. Yeah, like I live in the desert, so <laughs> trying to go out and find some grass that not that's not just like dirt is almost impossible. Or like water, water's so incredibly healing in so many different ways, mm-hmm. um, mentally and physically, and that just doesn't exist around here. So some people make their own grounding, you know, they'll, they'll have their little backyard and their little grounding pits, that's so cool. Mm. but it's not about doing all those things and making sure they all are working it's about the 80 20 like even if you can just implement a few of those things it can make a huge difference in your life
0: Mm, I see yeah just like small steps and like a daily practice yeah
1: get some sleep exactly
0: (laughs) sounds so easy but I'm sure most people actually don't get
1: you know quality sleep oh no I don't I totally get it like (laughs) my hormones are all over the place and we're still working on them but also, stress in general, we can't manage stress. even if you learn how to meditate and, and do yoga and all those things, the constant impact of social media and all of the apps and screens and it's insulting to our senses. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's about understanding how stress impacts our lives, and, and sleep, unfortunately, is one well of those things. I'll sleep and I'm dead. Like, no. I mean, you might die because you're not sleeping. <laughs> but, but one should be before the other for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it really takes kind of
0: understanding yourself and your own health and body in that way where you're really saying, hey, like sleep is more important than, you know, XYZ tasks I need to do or feel like I need to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, pre interview, we kind of talked about how you grew up in an abusive household with many, many siblings. I am very curious to learn more about you know the way you grew up and how that's affected your practice today
1: yeah I I think everybody's got a different when it comes to a different journey into medicine and and why they went into it and uh, my journey was very convoluted you know a lot of people's are but when it comes to how my past has contributed to my my current situation and my future. I went through a lot of abuse when I was, uh, when I was a kid and a huge household. Uh, mostly it came from uh, Vietnam. My dad's a Vietnam vet and he had a lot of PTSD. He ended up losing a limb. So he decided that he didn't want to address those issues, you know, like take it like a man kind of thing. And with that, he decided to self-medicate, but he took it all out on a lot of us as children, as also his wife, my mom, and it definitely was something that I think showed me a lot of strength and I like to share that with people because specifically with women, we tend to have issues taking on a lot of, well, just get over it. You know, like that's, that's not something I, I should talk about. I'm not allowed to talk about that. So either we'll keep it really private or, you know, we, will, we won't share it in general But I think talking to people about what happened to you gives them so much relatability to understand that they don't have to succumb to the effects of abuse and the effects Mm -hmm. that you can choose whether you want to rise above it or if it it overcomes you. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, I obviously chose the first one. (laughs) I decided that I just, I, I can't be a case study. I can't be that's not my life. That's not my goals. And I decided that I wanted to be a doctor at a very young age, but it was obviously came with a lot of adversities because when you grow up poor and you grow up with no finances, things like going to med school or college, they're really expensive. And so I was able to, uh, my dad's a vet, so I was able to get undergrad paid for, which is great. But of course, med school comes with a hefty price tag, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which we worked to get that done. But it's about having the emotional, mental stress, being able to, to get through it, I should say. Mm. It just depends on like where you are, what your support system is like, and what your mentality is. Everybody's able to do it. Do
0: you feel like what you went through when you were younger has actually helped you do what
1: you do today? Absolutely. It makes me a better person, but it also makes me a better doctor because I'm able to understand where women are coming from not pry, but not also just neglect it and just be like, you know, I, I want to ask people if they're comfortable talking to me about it, because of course, I'm never going to push a patient to talk to me about it. But if they wanted to share, I ask, well, did you go through any kind of abuse situation? Did you have any issues with this in your past? Did you go through any stressful traumatic events? Because it has a huge impact on the way their adrenals function on the way their neurotransmitters function and the way that their general health is, and ge- because you know our mind controls our body. So if our mind is misfiring, if we're going through these issues, uh, it's definitely something that to address to m- more for me, because I don't do a lot of mental health to understand the physiological impact that, that had on it, but to also just let them know, like, I understand. And sometimes that portion makes a patient feel so incredibly cared for and they can trust you more because they know you've been through it and that's kind of my whole purpose when it comes to medicine is treating patients like family because just
0: being there for them saying hey i i know and i'm here for you i'm listening yeah
1: absolutely because i don't think you get enough of that and i don't think that people understand the power that that has in medicine to just listen for just a second and to ask the right questions, and when someone asks you something, you give them your honest opinion on it, and not be afraid that you can't, you know, overstep, or he said, she said, or I'm not exactly sure, and that actually helps the healing process over time, because they, their body can let go of that stress, because they know somebody's taking care of them.
0: Yeah, you are different from other doctors in this way. And then you're also different in that, you know, you're on TikTok. Your your hair color is, you know, wild and beautiful. Like, are you getting pushback on that? And, and how do you take that?
1: You know, that's a really good question. Yes and no. I feel like the audience that I have attracted on TikTok, because, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe, I should say. And I think that the people that want to hear my content, the people that want to subscribe and follow and and learn these things are genuinely curious. I don't do this for other doctors. I don't do this for other healthcare professionals. I do this for patients and they're the people that I care about. If somebody wants to go on there and leave a nasty comment or, you know, say that I'm not a real doctor or what have you, it's more of a reflection on them than it is on me. Because it shouldn't matter what color my hair is. It shouldn't matter how I present to myself, if you think that's professional or not. What matters is that I know my medicine, and I treat my patients, and they get better. That's the only thing that matters. It's about that ego that I was talking about earlier, pulling the ego out of the situation, and we all be humbled by our patients and get them better and start working together. Do I get nasty comments? Yeah, absolutely. I report and block them. (laughs) That's all I really have to do about that. But that's like I said, they're not my audience. My audience will ask questions. My audience will will follow me and be able to to learn something if that's where they're at in life. Mm -hmm. How did you build this level of confidence? Um, A lot of abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. To be quite frank, I think that it comes down to being okay with where you are and what you have to offer. And I went through many years of feeling less than like I I fronted you know I faked it until I made it like I have studied my butt off I was one of six people to graduate with honors in my class which in medical school you have to be above a 3.8 in order to a lot of medical schools are pass or fail but ours had a grade system I wanted to be the best and I wanted to really help people not be best to be the best in class but to be best for my patients because I wanted to be prepared and I think a lot of that came from fear that I was going to fail But as soon as I let go of the fear, I realized what I built. And it, it made me realize that people, hurt people, hurt people. You ever heard that saying? Yeah. So true. Yes. So people who come in and they hate on you, people who, who bash you, people who, you know, feel like they need to, to tell you something and, and to kind of deflate your confidence it's a reflection of them. And once you make that realization that it's not about you, it's never about you and it's about them, it gives you a lot more understanding that that person needs help that you, it's not, it's not my responsibility to fix everybody. It's not my responsibility to change people's minds. It's my responsibility as a doctor to teach because that's the Latin, the Latin term docere, which is what doctors, it means to teach. And Mm. I love teaching which is why I love TikTok so much because I get to teach people and it's not about other people that that don't want to listen to my message. So it's about being humble, not having an ego and being understanding. Mm. To come to this conclusion, I mean
0: that that takes a lot of yeah, humility, like putting your ego aside and understanding people and not feeling the need to change them or, or somehow like change the situation. Just accepting it how it is
1: yeah and i think that's a huge thing that medicine doesn't do is they don't meet patients where they're at yeah it's something that i always strive to do it's not about changing every portion of your life it's not about changing every aspect of your health it's about what can we do today what can we do that's small because not everybody is a deep ender i call them deep enders because they jump into the deep end of the pool versus wading in very slowly (laughs) Mm -hmm. but understanding where patients are at because that's going to give you a huge indication on how far, how fast, how much hand-holding. When you enter in a partnership with a doctor, unfortunately this is not true for most medicine, but when you do, at least with an naturopathic doctor, we are your health consultants. We are people who you can always come to and ask the most outlandish questions. And we strive to have as much trust as we possibly can. We try to build that trust from the first appointment because you spend an entire hour with us. So a good first impression and really allowing yourself to feel taken care of is a new experience for most people. Mm. And it's what drew me into the type of medicine because I'm just like, yes, this is, this is what I want to do. This is going to make real change. Yeah. And now we're in this perspective of medicine where people are starting to wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I have options. Because right now it's whatever your insurance covers or whoever's at urgent care or you know however i can save my life right now but it's not about entering in a partnership with a, a healthcare provider
0: right right there's that kind of maybe lack of of that trust because i mean who knows who you're going to be assigned to by insurance or or in a 15-minute consultation, how much really are you going to connect with
1: somebody? Absolutely. And that's what's really frustrating. It's like, I don't know how you get anything. I guess I can ask you about a symptom and like four questions and then write a prescription and then run labs in 15 minutes. I'm just like, excuse me, like an hour and a half to get through a freaking, you know, an intake with somebody. Just to ask them all the questions I need to before doing all that stuff. But that's, I think, if we if doctors were a little more, a little less stressed, a little less busy, a little less overwhelmed and burnt out in the system that they're working in, I think they would also love this type of medicine because I have so many different types of tools that I can use. It's not just medications. We can use herbs. We can use supplementation. We can use hydrotherapy lifestyle. We can also use medications and we can use HRT. I mean, the list literally goes on and on and on of all the different things we can do to try to fix a particular problem. And they just not afforded it. And so when you only have one medication and you only hear one symptom because you can't get much of a 15 minute appointment, of course, patients are going to get misdiagnosed. Of course, they're going to feel swept under the rug. Of course, they're going to feel not like they're not heard. And then a lot of the doctors, because they don't have much time to even look into anything or even extra training other than what they got in residency. And then obviously clinical practice, they are not aware of what's happening in medicine outside of the drugs and surgery. So then they tell people that whatever they're experiencing isn't a real thing. And there's no way you could have that.
0: That's, yeah, that's like denying what they're coming to you for.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, the biggest example I have of this is adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. Now, adrenal fatigue is a a rampant condition. The problem is, is it doesn't have an ICD-10 code. It's not actually recognized by the medical community of a an actual diagnosis. Mm. What adrenal fatigue is, it's a suboptimal function of the adrenal glands due to chronic stress, illnesses, uh, nutritional deficiencies, abuse, a lot of things happen. But the problem is, is it's just underneath or it's not to the levels of complete depletion, which would be Addison's disease. The problem is, is that when I talk to patients about having fatigue or other stress issues, they, their doctors go, uh, well, adrenal fatigue is not thing. And they immediately dismiss what they're going through. Even if they need to bump up their cortisol just a little bit, it can make a huge difference. They don't have to be Addison's, which is like a, a morning cortisol of, of okay. two or three, which Very you need awesome. to actually replace with Cortef, right. which is a type of cortisol or it's Cushing's, which is like way too much. That's the only definition you have of adrenal problems. Mm. Um, Obviously there's, there's lots of different kinds, but those are the two that I mostly deal with. So these patients come to me and they have a cortisol in the morning of like five or six, which is just, it's abysmal. There's not much going on in there. We need to support that. But it's just frustrating that they completely dismiss it and uh, say that that's not a real thing and, you know, you check your sources and the ego comes in. It's just like, you know, they're suboptimal and they just don't know how to treat it. So they can't really justify ordering the tests or anything like that, which is another issue I come in when it comes to hormones, because they don't test things like testosterone, which is super duper, duper important.
0: <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like they're trained in a specific way. And when, when encountering something kind of outside of that context, it's, it's difficult to legitimize it or, or to uh, recognize it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and at that point, it's important for me as a naturopathic doctor to understand that it's just something they don't understand, and that it's okay that they don't understand it, be you have a lot of humility with that, but also to educate the patients that hey, maybe they just maybe they just don't know, and you know, not not taking anything they say. And pr- particularly sensitively, because you know, I, I do get a lot of like, you're not a real doctor. Like, oh my god, it, it doesn't really matter because it's like my my license number doesn't change, my DEA number doesn't change. <laughs> like, your opinion of whether I'm a doctor or not has absolutely no bearing on whether I'm a doctor or not. The only thing it does is my medical license, which is sitting right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. understanding that you know.
0: Yeah. Have you ever encountered an issue that somebody's having that you just couldn't figure out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think at that at that time when, when things like that happen it's important to refer to professionals mm-hmm. or like for instance in California I have a very limited license on what I can do in terms of medications because of the way that the license is made I can only prescribe a hormone replacement therapy um, but I can't I can't even do antibiotics I can't even do steroid injections like they're there isn't really much I can do um, except bioidentical hormone replacement. So at that time, when I have a patient that says, you know, has hyperthyroidism for instance, and they need to be put on a medication, it's time for me to refer because I need to know where my scope ends and to not have an ego that I need to fix everything.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's not about me fixing everything. It's about the patients getting better and so referral is an important aspect of medicine. It's all about complementary care. Mm-hmm. It's not about, I'm trying to fix everything, they're trying to fix everything. They need to see multiple people because the body is really complicated.
0: It Kind of goes back to putting the ego aside and saying, hey, I don't have all the answers, but as a community we do. And to be connected with other, other professionals, other uh, people who specialize in different things.
1: Yeah, yeah I have a prediction in the future because natural medicine is becoming more common because there's all these people like nutritionists and more verbal health coaches and people who are stepping outside of the traditional medical bubble Mm -hmm. and the world is kind of going in that direction because they're tired of being sick and tired. That, doctors like mds or dos are gonna once once we make this popular which is my whole goal that's why i'm on social media that's why i'm trying to do multiple talks is because i want to not only spread the knowledge but also make it popular because who doesn't want a doctor that sits down and talks to you for an hour who educates you on your condition who gives you different treatment options so my prediction is that as soon as match by the doctors become very popular MDs are going to want to employ us in all of their offices because we're a huge addition to practices to give their patients a different option. Mm. Uh, A friend of mine actually works in a rheumatological office with a rheumatologist and and a massage therapist and a few other people, and he is an integrative physician in there. When the rheumatologist can't get things under control, he will refer to the naturopathic doctor to be able to work on different aspects of health that's a beautiful partnership because rheumatology is so incredibly hard to deal with this autoimmune joint pains and, and other conditions that come along with it. Mm. So I can see it. I can see MDs like scrambling to get as many naturopathic doctors in their office as possible when it becomes popular and they actually legitimize the medicine because they're going to see, Oh my gosh, I want one of those in my office. Why wouldn't you, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like to provide more options and, especially when it comes to a puzzle that, you know, they can't necessarily solve on their own. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or if just patients want a different option, like, Hey, I really don't want to use this medication. Do you have any other options? And they're like, actually we do. We have this other, you know, type of medicine that um, they, they focus more on this condition and I would refer to them within their own office, which is going to improve their practice over time.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Well, awesome. This was so comprehensive. I feel like we, went into what naturopathic medicine is like your own background how you how you were led there as well and what you're doing that's pretty different from what we see conventionally i think that's so important because sometimes it just doesn't feel like we have those options but they're out there and it's growing so thank you yeah of course thanks for having me on i
1: really appreciate the platform to to share this